Come on, church. Come on, church. Does anybody here believe in the name of Jesus? Does anybody believe he rose to the grave? Does anybody believe he's still powerful? Do you believe he still saves? Is our God still on the throne? Give him some praise, church. What a mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Grab a seat. We believe. Wow, it is so good to see you. Hello, Faith Promise Church. It seems like forever since we've been here. We've been gone two weeks on a mission trip, but it seems like so long. We love you guys. Every campus, welcome this weekend. You picked an amazing weekend uh, to be in church and worship God. We're so thrilled with all that God is doing from Campbell and Anderson and Blunt and North and our internet campus and our Pellissippi campus. We are so excited about all that God is doing across our campuses, on all of our campuses. So if you would, in the next few weeks, would you just pray for our Campbell County campus? Because our Campbell County campus, we're trying to figure out how we're going to put a campus in all the surrounding counties. And so there are guinea pig, and there's some unbelievable warriors for God over there, and they are fighting. It is a difficult place. I don't believe there's been a growing church in 25 years, the research that I've done. And so just pray for Pastor Chad and Brandy and all those folks over there that are serving and Rick and just tons of people over there. God will just give such wisdom as we do that. Well, we wrap up a series this weekend called No Filter. We've had three of our young preachers in, the, in this series. Uh, Pastor Zach started it with Jacob and his brother Esau. Uh, and then Matt, Pastor Matt rolled in with the bowl of beans and all that kind of stuff and losing the birthright and what a kind of guy Jacob was. And, and uh, then uh, I did a message and I talked to, uh, back to Bethel. Then Pastor Matt did a message last weekend on Rachel and Leah. Was it not an amazing? All three of those guys. Hadn't it been good? Come on. It's been great. Now, I've not watched all the message from last weekend because really, actually, that's Micah's first message, full message on a weekend at Faith Promise. But I'm pretty sure that if Micah gets to heaven, go ahead, amen. I'm pretty sure that if Micah actually does get to heaven, he's going to need to apologize to Leah. Are y'all with me on that? He owes her an apology, and I hope she is so smoking hot when he sees her in heaven, and he has to apologize to her for all that he said last weekend. Well, uh, a team of us, myself, Pastor Josh, and Pastor Brad, and Pastor Dustin, were in uh, London visiting with missionaries, and then we spent a week in India. And it, it was hot before we got there. That heat wave broke. It was only 110 uh, while we were there. And uh, it was unbelievable what we got to see. And, and I'm going to tell you, because of your generosity, how this church gives and has a heart for the world, uh, we have trained, we have, we have provided the resources to train hundreds of church planters in Pakistan and India. We started in Delhi. We drove every day four or five hours, and we almost made it to Pakistan. Uh, we did not cross the border, but we were two hours from Pakistan. And we literally, we, we went to church planning uh, where they trained church planners and where, and went to house churches. I never saw a church building. We never saw one. We only saw house churches. And the one guy, Bijou, who led us, who was our guide, has planted 1,200 churches in the last five years. That's unbelievable. In fact, we called him Bishop Bijou, the Bishop of India. 
And he said he wanted to watch the internet and see a large picture of himself sort of pontificating over the church. They said, we're probably not going to do that, Bijou. But it's glad to know you. It's good to know you. I believe, we, I mean, we saw Acts kind of ministry. The, the, I'll tell you this. I'm, I got to get in the message. But the first, the, the first church we went to, again, are house churches. Pastor Brad, yeah, he's our missions guy. The, the, he started praying. And when he started praying, this demon-possessed lady started going crazy. And I thought it was sort of funny in a twi- twisted sort of way that I'm not sure that Pastor Brad had seen that. And he's praying, and she starts screaming, and he starts talking about Jesus. She starts screaming, and I'm wondering, that doesn't sound like a screaming joy to me. I said, that woman is demon-possessed. So we cast that demon out. We go to another place, and somebody else starts praying, and another demon starts screeching. And look, I'm going to tell you how, that, see, we have a whole different world. There's three people casting a demon out at my feet. And people were taking pictures with me right here. They didn't even notice. I mean, it just was, was mind-boggling. So we, it, we've just, we got to see some stuff. It was off the chart. God is moving. And because of your generosity, how faithful you guys are giving, we literally are putting people all around the world to take the name of Jesus as far and as fast and as high as we can take it. So way to go. Give yourself a hand. Way to go. Way to go. Let's pray. God, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And Father, we we are so excited about what you're doing. God, we're thrilled about what's happening around the world in Central America, our Costa Rica campus and and, and China. We pray for our team in Sally Benza uh, this week that you'll be with them and our missionary Chris Ladd. And God, all around the world, we're grateful. But Father, as we wrap up this series, as, as we wrap up this series on Uh, on no filter. God, would you continue to give revelation? Would you continue to give us an impartation? Would you continue to speak to us? God, your word, would you would you move? Would you transform? Would you just do such a work, God, that it can what, what's going to happen this week it can only be explained by the power and the presence of a thrice holy God. So, Spirit of God, would you land and would you lord over us? Would you open our hearts? God, today we're going to peel off some labels. Today we're going to we're going to get rid of some junk. Today people are going to be saved. This weekend people are going to have their lives transformed and we are stoked. And so, God, we pray that you move in power. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now the Bible says that the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Do y'all believe that? God's Word said it will not return void, but it will accomplish that which He sends it out to do. God is on the throne and His Word is unbelievable. And so what I want to challenge you to do this weekend is listen like the Word comes across. The Word of God is active and it is living, it, and so what we need to do is we need to be alive in our listening and active. The Word of God is alive and active, <clears throat> and we want to be the same way. So I want to challenge you to engage with the Word this week, and if you take notes, if you've got your Bible or click it open or whatever, that you have an open heart and an open mind and an open spirit to all that God wants to do, because I believe God's going to speak to every one of us. Are y'all ready to be spoken to by the Spirit of God? Is anybody ready in all of our campuses? All right. So we're going to just let the Spirit of God speak. We're going to let God move. We're going to let God open, open our hearts as we say goodbye to Jacob. Now, Jacob's been a great guy for these five weekends, hasn't he? Man, it's unbelievable. There's so many lessons to be learned from the life of Jacob. It's unbelievable. Let me tell you what I'm glad about. I'm glad that Jacob carried a selfie stick. 
Because, you know, everywhere Jacob went, he took a selfie. When he was in Bethel, he took a selfie. When he was in Bethel again, when he's in Panorama, when he's in, everywhere he went, he took a selfie. As a matter of fact, do you know what the Word of God is? The book Genesis and so much of the Word, it is God's photo album of what has happened to God's people. And so as we, as we look at the life of Jacob, and I'm just grateful to God that he gave us these snapshots so that we can learn lessons, and there's so many lessons from the life of this patriarch, you know, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It's unbelievable. So I want to ask you a question this weekend, and this is going to radically change or can radically change how you view things. So the question is this, what will you name it? We're going to name it. What name are you going to give it? And this is, this is, this is going to be, un, this is going to change some of your past and all of our future. So let's look at Genesis chapter 35, verse 16 through 20, our passage for this weekend. Then they journeyed from Bethel. Remember, uh, two weeks ago, I did back to Bethel. Whether went back second time, they've left Bethel for the second time. And when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for now you have another son. It came about as her soul was what? And so she was dying, her soul was parting. For she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a pillar over her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. And I've got it, taken a group to Israel in October, and we will probably see Rachel's tomb and so many other great historic places. What you call something matters. And it matters more than most of us realize, but it matters. Now, we're going to pick Jacob up as Jacob's caravan has left Bethel again for the second time. The first time he was limping, I mean, he was running. The second time he's limping. The first time he was negotiating with God. The second time he came, he built an altar of sacrifice unto God. We see a different Jacob 21 years later as he goes back to build, actually went there to, the, to Bethel, the house of God, to build an altar of sacrifice unto the God who had been so good to him. And what we're watching as you look progressively, Jacob is maturing in his faith as a man of God. Now, as he leaves, his whole family is there. Uh, his wives, Rachel and Leah, and again, Mike did a great job painting a picture of those two women and what was going on. Rachel had been barren, and Leah had, been, had given birth to a parcel of kids. And so both of those ladies wanted what they couldn't have, and we've covered that. But, but Rachel wanted a son, and she had finally gave, give, had given birth to a son, Joseph. But she goes back to God and says, I want another son. I need another son. I, I need another son. And we always need what we don't have. Isn't that right? We never say, rarely do we say, thank you, God, for what we have. We're always looking for what we don't have. And if we get this next thing, it's going to make everything better until we get it and we need something else, right? That, are y'all out there? Isn't that right? It just, it just is. Now, what it, it appears that has happened because Jacob has taken his family. Remember, they got rid of all their foreign gods and all their household idols, and they go back and they worship God at Bethel, at the house of God. And Jacob gives a sacrifice to God. Now, Rachel is pregnant, gets pregnant, and it appears that God has blessed Jacob's sacrifice. 
And if we all got really serious, raw in the real, whenever you sacrifice to God, don't you expect God to do something in return? Now, come on, let's be real. If you over-spiritualize it, I'm going to remind you of how many times when things went bad, you said to God, but I tithe. I go to church. I mean, I do all these things. So why did this happen to me? Have you ever said that? I've heard so many people say, but the first thing that, but I give. And because I give, nothing bad is ever supposed to happen. And so what, what it appears as Jacob has left and God has heard Jacob's prayer and God's heard Rachel's prayer, and it appears that God is blessed and God has answered her prayer and she's pregnant and she's going to have another son. Because again, we believe, and you know what? A lot of times God does bless our sacrifice. But we don't give to get. We do indeed many times get because we give. But we give because we love God and we honor God and we give out of obedience. Amen? Our sacrifice, our time, all that we give to him. But it looks like God has rewarded him. Blessed sacrifice. So in verse 16, let's go back and look at it. They journeyed from Bethel. And when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth. And she suffered what? Now, severe labor today, it's... it's it's something to be a little concerned about. In that day, it was far more. There was no doctor. There was no blood transfusion. There was no hospital. There was no place to go. There was no way out, and she is hemorrhaging. And in that day and time, that meant that you very well might die. And so she, she enters in this severe labor. Now, God has answered Rachel's prayers. She asked for another son, right? She said, I have one, I need another one, because then I'll, I'm going to beat my sister, the whole, the whole rivalry thing going on. And so she's, she, she's actually got answers her prayer. But I want you to realize, sometimes when God answers your prayers, there's a cost that's involved with that. Are you with me? Matter of fact, you know one of the, grace, the most gracious things that I believe that God does is not answer some of our prayers. Because if we got everything we ask God for, we'd probably be in pretty big trouble. Would y'all agree with that? And so we trust God's sovereignty. And so, so, so once you think about it, she has been asking God for a son, begging God, and God gives that. But in her giving birth, she dies. But, you know, when something is being born, almost always something is dying. The great theologian Mufasa calls it the circle of life. Do y'all remember that? It's the, I mean, you know, that's... I thought that was so deep when that thought hit me today. You know, <laughs> it's the Bible according to Disney. And, and, and so we, we, there's just negative things that happen. So things are being born and things are dying. Things are coming and things are going. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything, a time to rejoice, a time to weep, a time to live, a time to die, a time to gather, a time to scatter. There is a time for everything under the sun. And so, again, when something is being born, something is dying. Now, let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said this? It's a greeting. Have you ever said this? It's all good. How many have said it's all good? Okay, it's, it's great as a greeting as long as you realize that you're lying. Because <laughs> I have lots of friends that go here that I'll say, how's it going? It's all good. And, I, and I've never thought about saying, well, you're a liar. Because <laughs> listen, let me give you some news. It's never all good. 
It'll be good at work and bad at home. It can be, you can be doing great spiritually and not so great physically. You can be doing great physically and spiritually and not emotionally. And we got all, we have so many things that orb around our lives that it's never all good. Does that make sense? It's never all good because we live in a cursed world and the enemy is at work and this, this world is set in juxtaposition against us to draw us away from God. With all that going on, it's never all good. That's why God said in Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together. All, God, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. He didn't say all things are good. Matter of fact, the inference in that phrase is everything's not all good, Right? And so we know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. So the, the scripture is very clear that everything's not good, but every God is going to work everything out for his good. And so many of us want to wait to worship if we want to do something for God until everything gets good. If you wait to celebrate God until everything gets good, you won't celebrate God until you get to heaven. You won't worship, you won't be in gratitude because it's never all good. Does that make sense? Never. Verse 17 of chapter 35. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, don't fear. Hey, it's going to be okay. You have another son. Yeah, you, you have another son. Now, now I, I love this verse because Rachel's in, in deep agony and pain, and the midwife says, hey, it's going to be okay. You have a son. You know what we all need? A midwife. We all need a midwife who's going to walk up to us and say, hey, Listen, I know it's bad today, but it's going to get better. I know your spouse walked out on you, but God's going to come through. I know you lost your home. I know you lost your job. I know what the doctor said. I know what your boss said. I know what your spouse said. I know what your kids said. I understand what you're going through, and I love you, and I'm going to walk through it with you. But, hey, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Does that make sense? It's going to get better. And so the, the midwife was there to, to speak life. The midwife was there to speak encouragement. Now, there are more than enough people there to speak death, right? Well, I knew this was going. I told you not to. I knew you're so dumb. I knew this is what was going to happen when you did that. Always people there to discourage you to dump. We, man, listen, the cold water bucket brigade, if they'll water on your fire, there is a long line to join that brigade. There is not a long line to join the brigade of, hey, let me speak some life. Let me encourage you. Let me motivate you. Does that make sense? That's why Faith Promise, we try to speak life over whatever is going on because we serve the God of life. Jesus said, man, my father's not the God of death. He is the God of life. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those guys are alive. God is the father of living, not the father of the dead. Does this make sense? So Rachel is in severe labor. The midwife says, hey, you have a son. And at the very moment that her son is breathing his first breath, Rachel is breathing her last breath. Does that make sense? And her dying request. Now, dying request thousands of years later is still important. She said, tell Jacob to name him Ben-Oni. And what Rachel knew is she'd never celebrate that boy. She'd never nurse him. She'd never hold him. She'd never have a birthday party for him. She'd never see him grow up. She'd never see him get married. She knew all of that, that she was going to miss everything in his life. And so her dying request is name him Ben-Oni. Out of her deep sorrow, you got to get this. If you're listening, Sam, out of her deep sorrow and pain, she names her son Ben-Oni, which most likely means son of my sorrow. 
How'd you like to be called for the next hundred years, son of my sorrow? Now, we give some names today, don't we? It's unbelievable what people name their children. Have you, have you heard some of the names? It's, I'm, I could give so many, I'm not going to, because probably someone goes here with that name, and you'd be, <laughs> you'd be offended. It, I mean, I, I'm always going to offend someone, but you know, there's no need offending you because you gave your kid a scar, not a name. And... <laughs> Because, you know, some, they're not names, they're scars. I've told, yeah, I've told people, that's a scar. You need to change your name. That's horrible. But out of her sorrow, she in deep pain, because she is dying, she says, name him son of my sorrow. Now, what we need to realize is we all do the very same thing with this. Is this is what, if you're listening to Sam, we all name our pain and problems something. We label events in our life. We label places in our life, seasons in our life. And this is what we do. We label them negatively, son of my sorrow. And that's how we view them. Remember that many of us look through the lens of our life through pain and sorrow because of what we named things that we went through. Does this make sense? We named places. We named homes or cars or kids or thoughts or events or seasons. You know, what do you, what do you call your ex? Just saying, just saying. Well, you know, so we, we name these. This makes sense. But out of our sorrow and pain, do we label these things? So most likely, Ben Oni was the most likely definition of the word is Ben is son of, and Oni is sorrow. Now there is a small chance that the, that she actually could have named him son of my strength. Because the word oni in the Hebrew can be translated sorrow, or to a lesser degree, it literally can be, tra- can be translated strength. Now, I'm looking at that thinking, That's the, that, that doesn't even make sense. How can you translate the same word sorrow and strength? Those are diametrically opposed. They are extreme opposite ends of the spectrum. They're mutually exclusive, and yet out of Oni, it could either be son of my sorrow or son of my strength. That's bizarre. But the question is this. Is that so bizarre that the Hebrew language, the same word for sorrow is the word for strength? Could it be, church, that out of our great sorrow flows some of our greatest strength. Many of the great people that you know that you've been around and many that go to this church that are powerful, strong people have gone through great sorrow and pain and suffering. And so he could be called son of my sorrow, son of my strength because they're both the same word. Jesus is, is just one of the best examples. Jesus is, would you, we all agree Jesus was the strongest person that ever lived. No doubt. All power raised from the dead, raised the dead, cast out demons, did miracles. Man had all authority, all power. The Son of the living God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, glory to the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is unbelievable. He is supreme. He is preeminent. He is overall, through all, and in all. And yet the Bible says that, that He is a man of sorrows and He is acquainted with grief. Out of the sorrow of His torture, and his resur- and his and the cross, his execution was born the resurrection. 
Out of his sorrow and shedding of his blood was born our salvation. Out of his suffering and sorrow was born our freedom. After the, out of his sorrow and suffering of the cross was born the resurrection when he overcame everything for all time. Amen. Come on. That's the God that we serve. In the last generation, a great theologian, great guy, A.W. Tozer said this. God cannot use a man until he greatly hurts him. And I used to really dislike that quote because I really like A.W. Tozer. And I didn't like that quote, but as I've grown older and been through pain and problems and walked with a lot of people through pain and problems and watched how they develop strength out of that, are y'all with me? I began to realize that God does allow us to suffer and go through things and, that, and our suffering can actually become our strength. And many of you may be there today. You may be suffering. It could be family. It could be business. It could be health. It could be loss. It could be divorce. It could be bankruptcy. It could be so many things. And there's a portion of our body this weekend that's really in the throes of suffering and sorrow. But your tears today can water the soul of suffering that will be a strength that you cannot believe in days to come. So if we would, now think about it, if we would actually believe what I just said, now would y'all believe, do y'all believe what I just said? If we actually believe that, then we could say that we really could rejoice when we encounter various trials, when the testing of our faith produces endurance. And whenever we hit a wall or whenever our hell breaks loose or when, when man, circumstances go cosmic or we're in the middle of pain and sorrow and suffering, we can say, okay, God, I've got, you've got a great lesson and you want to grow me out of this. So the quicker I learn, the quicker I'm out. You ever said that to God? Because I say it all the time. Maybe I'm a weirdo. But hey, God, I'm wide open. If you'll tell me, because I can get out of this if you'll help me learn. So I just want to listen. I, I want to hear because our sorrow can become our strength. I'm in a sad situation, but I have a great God. Does that make sense? And so she names him Ben-Oni. But in verse 18, it came about that her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Now, what, what happens? The midwife goes to Jacob and says, hey, listen, I got some good news and bad news. The good news is you have a son. The bad news is your wife just died. And, and, and by the way, she asked that you name him Ben-Oni. See, let me tell you what we, and, and he said, no, I'm going to name him Benjamin. Because don't you listen to this. If you listen to him, you can rename your sorrows. You can rename your sorrows. Now, Jacob was in the most sorrowful, grievous moment of his entire life. Jacob has just been given the news by the midwife that his, the love of his life is dead. The person he loved more than anything else. Remember, he worked for 14 years. Remember, seven years, and they got the ugly one. Y'all remember that last week? Okay, he gets her, and then he works seven more years to get, to get Rachel. He's worked 14 years. She's the love of his life. I mean, it, he is overcome with grief, but he is not going. He is not going to take her suggestion, the last dying wish of his wife, and name him son of my soul. No, he's not going to do that. He said, well, it doesn't say that he's sad. He says it later in Genesis 48, 7. But now as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died. To my what? Sorrow. Now, 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 I want you to tell you, do you know what? It never says in the Bible that Jacob loved anything 
but his wife. Never said he loved Leah. Never said he loved God. Never said he loved his boys. Never said he loved anything. But it said that he loved her. And in this great moment of sorrow, I want you to get, understand the emotion that's going on. This great moment of sorrow and agony and pain. He changes the name from Ben-Oni to Benjamin. He did not change the name because he was not filled with sorrow. He was. What Jacob did was refuse to accept the negative name that would play, be placed on his son. He was not going to let the pain of the event paint the future vision for his life and for his son's life. Are you with me? So many of us let the pain of the past or the pain of the present paint Paint a different vision and future than God wants us to walk because we are saturated with sorrow. Abraham's dad refused to leave Haran because in Haran, his son Haran died. He refuses. So many people will enter into sorrow and they refuse. They name it and it, it, it encapsulates, it, it engulfs their whole life. Are y'all with me? Again, the midwife says, hey, listen, dude. Hey, she wants to name him Ben-Oni. Now, ladies, don't get mad at me. It's not me. But the wife, the mother could suggest a name, but only the dad had naming rights. He said, but he didn't carry her. I know he didn't. I got that. I'm all with you. I'm with you. I'm on your side. But I didn't get to write the Bible. And so the wife could suggest a name, but only the father had the naming rights. Oh, and, 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 and he did. He had naming rights. Now, and so too many of us, listen, too many of us have accepted, accepted the labels that others have placed on us. We allow those labels to affect us and infect us. We allow those labels to change God's destiny for us. We, we believe they label us stupid. They label us dumb. They label us ugly. They label us divorced or bankrupt. They label us a loser. They label us no hope for the future. But let me tell you, you can rename it in Jesus' name. Listen, peel off the labels. Peel them off. Man, just peel off that label that people, that a dad, a coach, a teacher, a professor, a friend, a neighbor, an ex-spouse, somebody, peel that label off. When, when my, when my daughter-in-law uh, was pregnant with our first grandbaby, and Michelle said, I want to be called Mimi, and, and Mike and all my kids said, good, that makes you pee-pee. I just peeled that label off. I said, I'm not pee-pee. They said, oh, yes, we're going to tell you. I said, no, anybody says pee-pee's out of the will. That's just it. But So peel those labels off. Are you with me? Just, just peel them off. Because, in fact, only Abba can label you because Abba made you, and he is our father, and he has naming rights. Only he gets to label it. Come on. So the name was Son of My Sorrow, but Ben Oni, but Benjamin, son of my right hand. Son of my right hand. Now, see, Jacob was no stranger to renaming things. Remember, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. He changed the name from Loserville Luz and the layover to Bethel, the house of God. He changed a lot of places. He changed the names of events. He changed the names of people. He was good at renaming things. But even in the full force of the tragedy of the loss of his, the love of his life, he was not going to name his son that negative name. He renames him something else. Is this about y'all getting this? See, this is the guy who has spent his life trying to chase down the blessing. 
tricked his brother twice, tricked his father-in-law Laban, over and over and over. His name means tricker, deceiver, supplanter, all that. So he is, that's why he's lived his life trying to get ahead, trying to get it all, trying to make his move, trying to climb the ladder. But in this time, the one who has sought the blessing chose to become the blesser. And so instead of letting the negative name son of my sorrow stick, he said, I'm going to name him son of my right hand. Son of my right hand means son of my authority, son of my power, son of provision, son of favor. Instead of son of sorrow, it is son of my strength. Son of, that's, that's what he said. We're, we're changing. I'm peeling that label off, and I'm putting a new label on it. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've been to, but can I tell you something? You can rename it. Call it what you want to call it. Don't call it what the world calls it. Don't call it what people call it. Call it what you want to call it because you've got naming rights of where you've been and what you've been through. Peel it off and rechange the name because as you change the name, it'll change how you see things. Come on. Woo! I meet so many people, and when I meet them, they immediately start spouting out labels. Well, the, you know, I've been divorced, and I've been this, and I've been that, and I've done this, and I've been all of negative, all negative. And I just want to grab and say, hey, could, I, could you show me the corner of that thing? Because I want to peel that off. But see, we, we allow those labels to affect everything in our life. I'm a loser. I'm divorced. I'm defeated. I lost. I'm bankrupt. So you know how to change bankrupt to start over. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, you don't understand, Chris. No, no, I do. Actually, I do understand. And you get to name it. You can call it bankrupt or you can call it starting over. I would choose to call it starting over. Are you with me? So you have naming rights. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. What you don't understand is you have the authority as a believer, as God's child, to rename it. Bankruptcy is starting over. Loser is actually overcomer. Pain is going to be my strength. Whatever the world lays it, hey, peel it off and change the name. Here's Adam in the garden. First, what is the very first thing Adam does? Name the animals. Now, he didn't make the animals. Who made the animals? God did. And so he says, name all the animals. You have issues in your life that you didn't have any control over, circumstances, many of them that you didn't want. You didn't mean you weren't looking for them. They happened to you. You didn't cause them. You didn't create them. But those circumstances in your life, hey, go ahead and rename them. Call it whatever you want to call it. Call it, listen, you don't have to call it another way. You don't, I mean, you don't have to go with what the world says. The world is set against us. The world is out to separate us from God. Does this make sense? We didn't choose it, but you can name it. Name it. Rename it. Call it what you want to call it. Are you with me? You know, my, my two sons, now what I call them most of the time now when I see them, hey, man of God. Hey, man of God. How you doing, man of God? See, I've changed their names. Are you all with me? Uh, just, just, just change the name. You, you, you just, just, just change it. Because you have that power. You have that authority. What do you want to call it? What do you want to call it in your life? Change it. Rename it. And then allow God to paint a future that is grand and great. Does this make sense? Call it what you want to call it. We began with a question, what are you going to call it? It changes how you look at things. Names really do matter. I don't know why my mom and dad were not believers, but they named me Christopher. And that's exactly where I am because the word Christopher means Christ bearer. 
And that's what I am. That's what I do. That's who I am. I'm a Christ bearer to the nations. They had no idea when they gave me that name. It was the number one name being given out boys 50-something years ago. Call it what you want. Call it what you want. Now, we're, we're not talking about denying our pain. Because if you look at verse 20, this is what it says. So Jacob set up a pillar over her grave, and that is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Was, was, was Jacob sad? He didn't deny the pain. I'm not telling you to deny the pain. I'm not saying just bury it. That's, that's, that's not the deal. But I want you to watch what he did. See, in, in 20, he set up a pillar. In verse 21, it says this. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Eder. Now go back one verse. Who set up a pillar? Go to the next verse. Who moved on? Who set up a pillar? And what did Israel do? He moved on. Because let me tell you why. He could have stayed right there. But he could have stayed right there and never moved on. And mourned the loss of his wife for the rest of his life. Are y'all with me? But he moved on. Israel moved on. Let me tell you why. Because he had a destiny, a destiny to fulfill. He had 12 boys to raise that would be the 12 tribes of Israel. And out of those 12 tribes, the tribe of Judah would come our Lord. And he had a, he had a nation to build and a destiny to fulfill. Can I tell you something? You have a destiny to fulfill. Call it what you want to call it. Rename it. Don't let the world put labels on you. Don't let people put labels on you. Peel off and put a new label. Let me tell you the name that's above all names, and that is Jesus. That's the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus, Lord, the glory of God the Father. Is that right? There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. I mean, every knee's going to bow. Why? Because he is the name that's above all names. And we bow to him because he is over our circumstances. He's over our situations. And he's given us the ability and authority to call it what we want to call it. So rename it in Jesus' name. Some of us, though, amen. Come on. Yes, indeedy. Some of us, some of us have yet to bow our knee to Jesus. You've never given your heart to him, and it's time. At every campus, man, you came this weekend, and God is, God is dealing with you. His spirit is wrestling with you right now, and you've been thinking, you've been, you've been trying to figure this out, and right now the spirit of God is speaking right to you right this minute. So at every campus, with every head bow, every eye closed, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, you're ready to call upon the name that's above every name and be born again, then right now we're going to pray with you because nobody prays alone. Right now, would you pray with me? Dear Father, I know that I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I call upon the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Be my Lord and be my Savior. You died for me. You rose from the grave. And I will, live, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in the house this weekend. Woo! Man. Wow. Now, if you're on the internet campus, you can go to the chat room or you can go right there and fill the communication card out and someone will be in touch with you. At our other campuses, if you gave your heart to Jesus, there's a communication card in front of you. You can fill that out. And uh, one, of, one of our staff, someone will contact you. Maybe you need to join a group. You need to find a place to serve. You hadn't been in next steps. 
Matter of fact, we had more people already this year become core than we have in any year in the history of our church. Already, we're not halfway done. So if you've not been to our Next Steps experience, sign up for that second weekend at every campus every month. Sign up for that next weekend. Next weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. Now, guys, I know what you always say. I'm good to the women and bad to the men. But we're going to be good to the men. So come to church. I might have lied. I'm not sure. But you guys, man, be here. We are going to begin a new series in the book of Ephesians called Rise Up that we're going to be. Man, we are going to dive into one of the greatest books. Man, I love the book of Ephesians. And so we are going to dive into that next weekend. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. By the way, offerings have went back through the roof since I brought those cursings on your beach trips really amazing. We're so grateful. And we, it looks like if the month finishes like it is, we're going to finish the budget $500,000 ahead of budget. Amen. Never happened. Never happened in the history of the church. We are, man, we are grateful. And because of your generosity, that's why we get to support guys like Bijou and those hundreds of church planters that you have trained. And, and, and people that are all around the world, it is unbelievable. I love you. So excited. So good to be back with you. Can't wait till next weekend. And, and we're just, it's gonna, it's this, this summer is going to be our best summer ever. Can you believe 2015 is almost halfway over? What, what is up with that? I mean, we're already talking about 2016 and themes and stuff. And I said, we just started. Come on. No, don't do this. But it is. I'm so grateful to be your pastor. I love you guys so much. And Michelle and I are so grateful for all that you do. We love you. There'll be, there'll be prayer people down here for you. Listen, be back next week. Bring some folks with you. And let's just rock every campus for Jesus. We love you. Be blessed. Walk in victory.